Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the European Tour Picks and Bets. You can find us here on the Mayo Media Network every single European Tour event. Please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe. Give us a like. Um, and then if you're looking at the podcast platforms, you can find this show every week on the Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets, The Mix. Search at any of your platforms and you'll be able to find my show here with Tom Jacobs, co-host, um, how are you doing tonight, Tom? Uh, yeah, I'm good. I mean, I think that this week, especially, be best if people check us out on the podcast. They don't have to look at me and my tiredness. Um, but yeah, you know, it, I think we we love doing the YouTube show. We think it adds an element to it. Um, we welcome all the comments. We see a lot of those as well. Um, but yeah, as you say, there's plenty of guys that like to listen in the car or on the train or whatever. So whatever. Whatever way you like to do it, let us know and uh, and, and keep doing it and supporting because we're having a really good time doing it and uh, like bringing you the content that we do. Absolutely. You know, our show together here has just been a blast. And hopefully, you know, as we continue to grow, show more the light of the European tour. And we are at the second week in a row at the same course in the Canary Islands. This will be the Canary Islands Championship for the week, Gulf Costa Adesia. It's the championship course here. Um, and the finicky-ness uh, of this course, Tom, that we saw last week, you know, five par fives, European Tour website now has it back to six par fives. Um, we'll see if they change the eighth hole this week that played very difficult. Um, and then, you know, we have six par threes as well. So an intriguing course, but it did play out. It seemed like a certain style of golfers um, ended up being the ones that were at the top. What, what were your takeaways from the first week here? I think I think you, you pointed out last week that you were just focusing guys that hit it long and, and could score on the par fives, right? I, I was quite uh, taken by the par three scoring and, and it did help a lot of people, but... In the end, Dean Burmeister ran away with it because he made 28 birdies and in front of Eagles, and, and that was all he needed to do, you know. And, and although there was a, a host of shorter hitters behind him, it did pay off to be uh, long there and, and not especially straight. It didn't really matter, did it? It was just about scoring and, and going low. It wasn't quite as low scoring as, as the week before in some aspects, but it was a, it was a great thrill once again. Yeah, I think it's uh, a course that potentially – we can see if, if I had to, to narrow it down, I would say off the tee seemed to matter the most because I, I'm really pairing it. What I thought the two golfers who played the best, in my opinion, were obviously Burmeester, but another golfer who we're going to talk about, you know, a little bit is Adrian Morant. And I think of what do those two do very similar. They are great off the tee. They're also pretty decent with the putters, as is Samoya, who who was in the mix there too. Nikola von Dellinghausen, I, you know, that was a decent pronunciation. Actually. That's right. I mean, I'm he, not he, he, um, he puts incredible. So, you know, that, that does matter, but you just have to take advantage of these par fives. And the best way to do it, this course was with distance. Um, you know, most of them were reachable in two. So the par five scoring and then rack up the birdies. That is what Moronk, that is what Burmeester do week in and week out. So that's the pedigree I'm going with. Some of those same golfers did perform very well last week. Some of them, you know, may have missed the cut, didn't play too well. And I'm kind of still dabbling that. But I, I do like when you're staying at the same course, it just feels a continuation in some sense. But if you were in the mix, your number has now been cut in half 
from what it was uh, last week. So top of the board, we see Garrett Higo, who opened four under through four holes, thought he was going to run away two weeks in a row. Um, you know, he can be as long as 12 to one for the week. Burmeester up to 18 to one. Um, and then the mid range, you know, I guess we're not seeing as much at the top of the field as we saw last week. You know, we have Harding, Cantor, um, Arnas, Samoya, Valimaki, Crocker, Dubesson, Callum Hill, all could be found uh, under 30 to one. Anybody in that range really intrigue you? I think for me, yeah. We were talking about it on the podcast before about how Anaus was going to get to a point where um, he was going to pay off, and and he did last week. He, he you know he was long odds, and and he was there, wasn't he? And and you know as expected, he's gone to a much shorter price as is Laurie Cantor as well. And and both of those were kind of the profiles. I've seen a lot of people kind of like Sammy Valamaki this week, and I'm not I'm not so sure. I think that he still needs a bit of time. He hasn't been playing as much. Um, same with Cantor. I think that kind of catches up with you when you're trying to shoot. 25, 2600 par. Um, so, yeah, those would have been two uh, cancer and announce for me, but I just thought they were slightly on the short side and, and not quite where we want to be odds wise. Yeah, I, I would say Arnas, you know, ball striking was incredible last week. Um, and he's just a golfer that I, I compare a lot of people to Bob McIntyre. But if you think overall of where Bob had gotten, you know, his odds to week in and week out, he was sitting in these twenties and thirties every single week to the point that it was very hard to bet him. And, and, you know, almost we'll we'll talk about Guido shortly, but you know, Arnas, if when you're in this range, it's, it's tough, you know, for me to bite the bullet and, and bet him when he's going to be what feels like triple the odds in three weeks time at a difficult course and could pop up, you know, there as well. So he would be the one a little short, uh, for me, I don't know if I can honestly bet Sean Crocker again. I, I'm struggling. He plays so well, <laughs> T to green. The Sunday scaries, man, seem to take over each week. And the fact that he's now 25s, 28s, that's that's too short for me. Ball striking menace. We can play him on DraftKings, but right now I'm going to take a little breather from Crocker. And the golfer that I felt that didn't get the adjustment relative to the rest of the field was Guido like, you know, Guido's still available 33s this week. You know, we were paying forties. You know, some people were buying betting the 33s last week for Guido. So to see the field shift like it did and to have Guido basically stay at the same number, that doesn't feel right to me just in general. So of course I'm going to be going to be back to our stallion Italian, you know, like (laughs) I just think he's somebody that I I want to, of course, you know, keep betting and hopefully come through with a victory. His odds, if it would have stayed at 25s, 22s, that could have been like we saw in Kenya, you know, then we're going to, we're going to reevaluate, but I'm still good for this number here at 33. And, you know, just looking at it, he made made 22 birdies, I think it was, and an eagle as well. So he's done plenty of scoring there. Um, Obviously, he needs to keep the bogeys off his card. He needs to uh, put four rounds together. We keep saying it, doesn't he? You know, he's he's doing exactly what he needs to do uh, for three rounds and and just doesn't do it for four. And I think what you see from him is he's got the potential and then that's all that matters. You know, you know he can do it. There's guys out there that will put steady rounds together and yep. can't keep up with the scoring demands, and that's not good enough. Whereas he's going low individually, and that's just that's what keeps bringing you back to him, not just because he's your favorite Italian person in the entire world. It's true. It's true. All I'm hoping for, man, Ryder Cup in Rome. <laughs> Could you imagine the scenes on that first tee when they announced Guido on that team? 
You know, we got, you we got some, a t-shirt. <laughs> oh, t-shirt, tattoos by then, man. Come on. Me and Axis both. Axis literally already made a t-shirt. You could have them show it to you one day. Um, but so, so no, I, I'm still there with him. Again, his, uh, I think it was Friday. Yes, Friday was X ex- or Saturday was excellent. Um, you know, one round a week. That's that's the way Guido, if you can get those two, if you can turn it into three, he can just be average on the fourth one. But you can't come out and shoot one under at this course like he did and think you're going to be in the mix on Sunday. So hopefully staying at the same course, keeping it rolling. He's ready to go. But we mentioned Moronk off of the top, Tom. Let's sell the people on him. Why are we both on him? Yeah, well, you know, he played well the week before, hadn't he? He's been, I think it was 15th place. Yep. And he kind of, I couldn't work out. And, and Jason has spoke about him on the podcast about how he's sort of just kept popping up here and there. But he's always been a long hitter. He's always been a low scorer on his day. Um, his putting is probably overlooked, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, he's just got the ability to make the amount of birdies it needs to. He made 24 birdies last week. Didn't make an eagle, as far as I know. But that, to me, just suggests that there's room for improvement. You know, if if he hasn't made the eagle last week and he, and he finished where he did, makes a couple of those this week, which are, is entirely possible, especially if they're going to play six par fives like they've put on the scorecard so far. And that's only going to suit him better. And, uh, and he's in a rich vein of form. He was kind of a long... Involved in the class of the Naus and Rosner and, and players like that that we're expected to break through, and he hasn't quite done his part yet. But and Naus hasn't won either, so it's not it's not a case of give up on these people. And, and I think people do quite quickly. You know, he was going up at 150, 201 at some points. He's right down now at 40 to one. But like you said, I still don't think that's quite relative to what he's done over the past two weeks. Yeah, about half of the odds. You know, he was probably in the 80s to 90s last week. So to see him 40s. Um, yeah, you do have to evaluate the decision when you see the odds decrease, but the improving form, the setup to what I think, you know, is needed to be successful here. I'm willing to take those odds before they dip below 30, you know, in these type of fields where, you know, I, I definitely want to be in on Morocco. For me, I'm those are my two in the shorter range. I am going incredibly deep for the remainder of my card. So, you know, I'd like to take some time to still highlight some golfers that were intrigued on that we saw, you know, potentially on your card, Tom, um, maybe on DraftKings, the pricing just dropped, but I'd, I'd love to know this mid range who kind of sticks out to you. Yeah. So for me, there was one guy in, in the betting that I kind of looked at it was Richie Ramsey. And uh, what I said last week, there was a couple of guys that I thought that I liked, I said to you about Sean Crocker, whether he could go low enough for four rounds and unfortunately he couldn't because he was putting. And that's why I had a little bit of fear of Ramsey this week as well. He's been ninth and third the last two in uh, in strokes gain approach, which is absolutely great. We know he can go low. He's had a couple of really good finishes in Spain in his career. I think he's had two top three finishes, including a Valderrama, which again, completely different test, but it feels comfortable in the area. And I'd spoken to him on the podcast um, earlier in the year, and he just he just felt quite buoyant. He's quite he's in the later part of his career, but he's the three time winner, knows how to get it done, um, and kind of lets it come to him. And and his form has just been trending ever since. Um, you know, Katsar he's gone 58, 47, 42nd, 29th, 22nd. So that keeps going. Um, a top ten and top eight finish and stuff like that is, is going to be around the corner. And it, you know, he's not putting terribly. He's he's not losing stroke. So he's there. He's just. Like you say quite often, if he's an even putter, he can, you know, go on and contend. And, he, and he's doing that. So he just needs to get, you know, distance may be a bit of an issue, but, you know, we'll see how it goes this week. Yeah. 
And again, the trending to the green, you know, is a big standout. And, you know, if you see his DraftKings price is $7,800 for the week, um, staying kind of in that range to golfers that are, you know, speaking to me a little bit for, for DraftKings, I think Louis Dieger was very close yeah. to being on my betting card. Somebody who kind of checks those boxes that you look from, you know, the par five scoring from the distance and then the, the performance that he had last week. Um, so I think Dieger 7,900 wouldn't fault anybody who is betting him this week. Uh, pretty intrigued by him. Scott Hend also, you know, just seems to, to string it together. And I mean, for him to be what almost placing or it, one stroke, I think short of some of the uh, top fives of the each ways last week, Scotty Hent could be someone I wouldn't, you know, fault anyone going back to somebody that took us on a roller coaster. Who's at $8,200 each week, man, Nino Bertazio, it, it, he's something. And I mean, he's scoring for DraftKings, So I think playing him at $8,200, I'm more than okay with um, kind of that trio. If we looked at, so to speak um, in that, that mid range for us on DraftKings. It's funny you mentioned Louis Diego because he was the last person off my uh, off my betting card. It, you know, there was a lot. There's there's always this kind of thing about being inspired by South Africans. You've had Higo, you've had Burmeister, um, and if, if that's your bag, then yeah, he's going to be essentially the next one up. I mean, he's been playing some great golf. He he likes it here, obviously. Um, you know, he made a couple of eagles and plenty of birdies, so he's there. You know, he's he's very capable of scoring. Um, yeah, I, I think that he's a great. Pick for DraftKings. I don't know if he's quite got the um, outright in him. I don't know if he can win. And I think Batazio maybe after last week is, is kind of the same. You know, they're good DraftKings scorers and potentially not the uh, the outright bets we need. Yep, 100%. Um, so I think if we keep going in here before we hit triple digits, um, I'd like you to go for your pair um, that are right around this range. Yeah, so we, well, I think we both agree on uh, Pedro Oriol, um, who's coming up. But before that, and uh, we go and so we've got Paul Waring, um, who is just, he's just hitting the ball. He's, he's gone during the lockdown and gone into distance and he, he's slightly older and it's kind of unexpected, but I think he's kind of getting used to that. The last couple of weeks, he's been gaining a lot of strokes off the tee. Um, he's, you know, he's a low scorer when he needs to be in certain events. Uh, he can string forms together. And yeah, he was there. He had two eagles last week, 19 birdies, plenty of bogeys on there to kind of keep him out of the running. But it intrigues me because I think when someone dedicates that amount of time to something and, and does, you know, change their game, when they start showing signs of, of a bit of form from it, as opposed to struggling, because he was missing cuts for fun over the last few months. Um, and I think it's because he changed his game, didn't quite know how to control the distance he gained. Um, but he's, he seems to be picking it up. And if that is a sign of things to come, then Paul Waring is someone that I think uh, we should be paying attention to. It always shocks me that Paul Waring is only 36 years old. I feel he like looks about, he looks about 50. <laughs> yes, yeah. absolutely. So, no, I think he's good. And then um, somebody who you mentioned that you were pretty close with that I think overall could be also played on DraftKings, a golfer that if you talk about off the tee trending form, Richard Manzel, $7,300, has been hitting that. Um, you know, plays great on the challenge tour, trying to make those leaps. We were on him last week. I was, um, and I am I'm, I'm not there again. These, these long shots, you can, you can make an argument for just about everybody. Yeah. Um, but I think he's just short enough that I'm willing to, to take the ones that I'm going to talk about in just a bit here. Um, but 
it's it's right there with Richard Manzel, and he should perform well. I mean, he ended up 42nd last week, but seemed um, to have played better than that finishing position. So Manzel, no problem with. But I think it's time to get weird with these long shots. You mentioned Pedro Oriol off of the top. That yeah. is the the first one I think on my end. Um, he was available at 365 this morning at 140. Most of the American books had him closer to a hundred, um, you know, finishes sixth last week, you know, Spanish golfer, you know, I, I always kind of kept an eye on him because his ball striking numbers each week, you know, when he made these, you know, 2018, 2019 starts on the European tour, we're still showing up. So the fact that, you know, 33rd miscut, but those before that still had really good tee to green numbers. So it came around with a short game a little bit last week, sixth place finish for him paid off at long odds, but he is still long enough this week that, you know, I'm, I'm surprised it's not shorter. That 140 was very intriguing this morning. So he kind of starts off there and I'd imagine the same reasons are for you too. Yeah. I mean, the thing for me was that like last week was kind of, a breakthrough for him because he was someone that kind of like you said he statistically showed up and i think a lot of people were quite easy to dismiss him because he hasn't really done it on the european tour he's played well on the challenge tour he's, a, he's been a victor there in 2017 and second as well very very promising talent that hasn't really kicked on and when he starts to get into contention on the european tour now as he did last week um in a you know and it was a pretty decent field it wasn't it wasn't the strongest but there was certainly a few names up there that can uh can cause uh, stress down the back nine and stuff like that. And I think that he, he played really well. Um, and yeah, I expect him to do exactly the same again this week. Like you say, I think that there's a lot in there to go in back to back quarters. I think that has to be taken into account. I think that he's the type of guy that it comes down to his passing an awful lot. And once you've got a second look at the greens, that can make a huge lot of difference. Yep, absolutely. Um, if we stick in kind of the range of for, for me, this, this 150s I, I'm living at, um, was able to catch a, a one two fifty this morning, but I have a trio of golfers here in a row, all at 150 to one. If we compare them, I think the one that fits the same mold to Pedro Oriol is Eduardo Molinari. So Dodo Molinari, you know, he just like Oriol was trending in, in ball striking, trending in T to green. Although just, you know, six missed cuts in a row for Molinari. But if you looked at his tee to green relative to the field, he's top five in the last four events. And finally, you know, that came through with a 28th place last week. And that 28th was not representative of the way he really played. He was right there floating inside the top 10, you know, on Saturday. Sunday didn't go his way. I think Molinari, you know, just like we saw with Oriole, you know, just didn't have the, um, I guess didn't have the decrease in odds that I would have anticipated for the form that they showed at the course. And I think as well is that if you want anybody to start showing forms in terms of tee to green, it's Eduardo Molinari because he's such a big advocate for it. Um, yeah. He's very it's heavily involved in statistics, isn't he? You know, so once he starts to see that coming, because he's very much of like, you know, you don't need to worry about passing. As long as your tee to green goes there, you'll, you'll contend. So if he starts showing that and he keeps it up and, that's how a guy like him can come back from those miscuts because, you know, he's sitting there going, like you've seen, you've picked up on, that's been trending for a long time. All of a sudden he finishes 28th and that should have been better as well. So, it, yeah, I think he's a perfect, perfect player to be in that kind of form. And, 
you know, he's got a lot of winning um, background. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a very high caliber player. He was, he used to surpass his brother in terms of victories until obviously uh, that changed very late on. But yeah, I think that there's plenty there. I think we've been back to a couple of veterans over the last couple of years, a uh, couple of weeks, and uh, he's certainly one to keep an eye on. 100%. And that to me, you know, we've, we've talked through two trends in that scenario. I'm now, after you've gotten to know me, these type of golfers that are at the deep odds, you know, following them through amateur rankings, following them through mini tours, following just talents of the game when they get their opportunities. I think this, this next stretch for me are golfers that, that kind of check that box. The first one is, shouldn't be a surprise of going back to the well with Austin Batista. You know, what Batista did so incredibly well um, in Austria, you know, he he just battled those conditions, tough scoring, and then he comes out and I was ready to light the house on fire, man. Minus four through six before I'm out of bed in the morning, the first week in the Kennery Islands. And I'm like, is this kid going to do it? You know, is this happening right now? And then he hits one OB on his second shot on a par five, ends up, I think, doubling it, backs it up with a bogey. Next thing you know, he's not playing the weekend. And it's like, all right, that was your shot, Austin Batista. You know, these don't come around too often. You try to string a little bit together. You get enough points. Kid goes and plays the Clutch Pro Tour, a mini tour in Europe out here, and, and then chooses, you know, to finish seventh there gets another sponsor sponsor's exemption. He's back in play this week, 150 to one. I'm not, you know, throwing that out for two rounds. We know what he has and the number is still there. Yeah. And, and I spoke to you earlier in the week, didn't I? And said that I was quite surprised that he was there because yeah. um, when you look at the Pro Tour, this is guys, uh, you know, pro shop professionals, uh, guys, that, uh, you know, haven't been playing on the level that he's been playing at. And, and that's not to discount them. Everyone has to play where they can play and work their way up, and that happens all the time. But Batista's had a taste of the European Tour, and it'd be very easy for him to kind of drop down and say, okay, the only kind of mini tours I'm going to play is back in, in America or Florida or whatever, and, and he doesn't. He goes over to the Clutch Tour, and that can't have been that much fun for him, I can't imagine. They're not, they're not the best golf courses for him. Um, but finishes seventh there. There's plenty of form to take into the, uh, into the event this week. Yeah, I think it's quite incredible. You know, just it showcases, you know, we got to have the story of, of Mike Vesecki last week on the PGA mm-hmm. Tour, you know, special. He, he's right here in Sarasota, my hometown, um, you know, so really cool to see them on that stage. You know, did make the weekend, didn't play all that great, and that's okay. Um, but the talents are some things that when they place, when they win, when they get in the mix, like the the price is well worth backing these type of golfers in my opinion week in and week out so you know when we're in a weaker european tour field and you're getting golfers that we know have these talents and all of them do you know but haven't maybe been as tested as much i think those are the ones that i love taking these chances on at these longer odds so we started with batista the next one for me is somebody who was right there through 54 holes, I would maybe say 50 holes, um, is Edward Roussad. So Edward Roussad was the second best amateur. He reached, he reached number two, you know, when he was growing his ranks on the, um, world, you know, golf amateur rankings. And he was somebody that last week, you know, really showed off what he can do off the tee. He is um, a bomber, you know, and he consistently in the par fives has given himself chance after chance after chance. And Alejandro Del Rey was the one that I was really intrigued to go into the week. But just as much a story can be told about Edward Roussad. And again, 
to have the pedigree he just turned pro three weeks ago so to see him in the mix he, they had an interview with him he just said you know i'm just playing against the course i don't care about the finish you know i just want to play my game do my thing and you know for the first time he really turned that corner um so i think betting him at 150 to one is just betting on that talent that we know is there from that amateur career yeah and like, like i say jordan simon you pick these guys is that uh you just have to believe in the talent there's, there's nothing else i mean they might even have to be in the best of form you know if if you know they've got the talent to do it you know they can consent people will sit there and say to you, you should be 400 to one. well he's not so you can take 150 to one and you can be there when he gets a 25 31 place or you can't you know and and that's up to you and then when he goes and finally wins one at 100 to one, 150 to one, you're going to feel really stupid that you left him out because you know if you believe in a player like that you just got to go for it there's, there's just yep. no point in, in trying to avoid it yeah and, and that's the thing and again it's it's so close on some of them that all it takes you know when we can we've seen breakthroughs we see these long odd winners you know week in and week out um you know i guess I wouldn't say week in and week out but uh, a few times through the season you're gonna have these these triple digits these these really talented guys break through and ultimately I'm ready to take that risk on a, on a handful of them. And the last one I would say, you know, we've, we've bet Batista because of his mini tour record um, and, and his, his pedigree and, and what we've seen out of him and the arguably the best golfer right now um, on the United States uh, mini tour scene is Alejandro Tosti out of Argentina. Um, he has, if you pull in the swing thought tours, so swing thought is, I'd say an above average field strength mini tour here. And again, you know, we're putting in some of these ones, you know, there's, there's a lot of mini tours, but the swing thought pulls in some, some pretty quality talented each week. And you'll see his last, let's see, eight finishes here. Second, third, eighth, second, first, 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 sixth leading in their standings right now. He was an all American out of Florida, um, you know, coming out of here. So I, I think that, Again, if we're just playing this game, we're playing what we want to see out of golfers and overall, you know, just hope to hit the jackpot, I guess, at the lottery on some of these talents overall sponsors exempt exemptions, you know, don't come around for these kids all that much. So, you know, he hasn't really, I mean, I guess you would say uh, he's played the Latin Latino America tour with a top 10 in both of his last two events there would be the best OWGRs. You'd say he won the Latino America tour in 2019. Um, so he has some of that game. He's only played, you know, 29 sanctioned OWGR events, 20 of them coming in the last three years, but he's been ripping up these mini tours and I'm going to bet on the talent. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you come on to the two top tens in, in the Latino America tour, because we talk about players that we see a whole host of players, especially on the PGA tour that go from that level the PJ tour very quickly. I mean, Harry Higgs did it for a couple of years. He played down there. Um, it, it doesn't really matter where you do it until you find out you get to a stage that you can't do it anymore. You, you know, you can only win and contend in the, in the fields and events that are in front of you. And that's what Tosi's doing. He's doing it in all the, all the levels, all the many events that he's playing. He's, he's leading, he's contending, he's winning. Um, and until he's gone to European tour and played five events and missed the cut, every time then you can't say he's not capable of doing it and if he, if he finishes top five top ten he's going to tumble down in the odds and he's going to be the next big thing so you just have to you have to strike it right and uh, and pick out when you can 
And that's what we'll say here because Oscar Sanchez is back in the field this week. I'm letting everybody know, you know, there's the thousands. It might even be two thousands out there. I'm not going to pitch you on Oscar this week. You know, this wasn't where he was winning, you know, his, his, um, his mini tour, his, his mid AM events that he was playing there. So, you know, that was a different course here. So we'll see, you know, what we look at, you know, Toasty is that chance. I mean, he shot, you know, low rounds in, you know, corn Ferry tour qualifiers. He's winning pre cues. You know, he, he was up to, I think 14th his best ever ranking in the world, you know, amateur golf ranking. So he's got it in there We're we're, we're, you know, all over this Wagger site, just keep looking at them. I think we have the Walker cup this week. I love referencing, you know, Walker cups. It's going to be the, you know, at Seminole here in Florida. So, you know, these are talents that I, I like to come across and keep betting as they show up. And especially with these odds in these type of field strengths, they're going to be golfers that I think can pay off for us when one of them does hit. So, you know, this is the last leg of our, our Spanish swing. We've had three weeks in a row on these islands. Um, it's been a low scoring affair. We're going to see it again deep in there. But next week, man, we got the, the British Masters back. We're going to see, you know, hopefully some some real like linksy Scottish conditions, you know, have some fun golf before we roll right into the PGA Championship. We're, we're here close before Garrick Higgle wins his first major. <laughs> yeah, I mean. These things are rolling around so quickly. I mean, I thought you were going to burst into song when you said about being on the island because there's, <laughs> there's a famous song there that we could have had with the Binger Boys. But, you know, it. yeah, I think that the season is just passing us by a little bit. I think there's a lot of these events that, because they're back-to-back, we had it in Kenya, we had it here. Um, I think it's very easy just to kind of, it all merges into one and you forget about who's playing well and who isn't. And it's only when you go back and reference it the way that we do, keep checking, that you kind of see how successful people have been. Um, and and like you say, you know, the PJ Championship just coming around. There's going to be some guys that are going to be pointing out for that week as well. So plenty to look forward to. Uh, don't take it from my voice. There is uh, th- there's more excitement in there than my voice is projecting. But, uh, you know, we're looking forward to it. I think that it's, I thought this was actually quite a tough betting week um, just because I kind of had in my mind what I was doing last week and it didn't quite pay off. I thought thought you and Austin was going to do it after a 61 or 62 on Friday. Yeah, didn't do it, but, uh, you know, here we are by like Thursday. But, you know, it's one of those things that your first round lead it never seems to pay off on the European soil. So we shall see. We shall see what happens, and uh, we'll come back again next week regardless. Yeah, as Pat says, you know, the most dangerous lead in golf is the 54-hole lead <laughs> on the European tour. Um, whether you're three, four, five clear, uh, it seems a little bit dangerous, and Dean Burmeister did. I mean, he shot just an incredible round on Sunday. He was to, superb, wasn't he? Oh, I think that, so I think, good. I think it's very easy because it because it's kind of like a resort course and because there's only birdies to be made, it's, it's kind of, people haven't discounted it, but people have kind of not really taken on board how well he played in that final round because this yeah. is a guy that's known for low scoring and does it and always fails to fall at one hurdle. And he didn't yeah. he just put the foot down and, and no one had a chance on Sunday. Yep. Absolutely. Hopefully we sit in this position a week from now talking about how our golfers, how Adrian Moranc did that, how Toasty did that, you know, Austin Batista, you know, maybe we have, you know, just a little bit of Pedro Oreo for both of us. You know, we have a lot of opportunity here, a lot of golf talk. Again, you can make sure to subscribe for us on YouTube, find us on the Mayo Media Network, and then all your podcast formats. 
search for the mix rate review subscribe we really appreciate it you know we we love doing our show together you know tom's just a gem and we appreciate the late hours that he's putting in um in order for us to do this so tom let's review your betting card one more time yep so this week i'm going with adrian moronk with you as well uh richie ramsey pedro oriel and then i haven't decided about richard manzo and paul waring yet but i think they're both live players that could really when you're just looking at pure off the tee game uh, and being able to take advantage of power fives, I think they both got the abilities to do that. Love it. Love it. So I'm with you on Morocco. I'm with you on Oreo. The five additionals I've have is Guido Migliazzi, of course, 33 to one, the disrespect, the number, man, a little chip on our shoulder. Let's go out low on Thursday, Guido. Um, and then we're, you know, we're, we're staying with the long shots, Austin Batista, you know, and then we have Eduardo Molinari, Edward Roussad, and then those were all three at 150. Oreo was 140, which is the best number we saw. And then Alejandro Tosti was at 250 this morning on uh, some of the, I think it was like Bad America or some of the sites here um, in the States. He's still floating around 150. Again, the difference in 150 to 250 to 300 to 400, like you said, you know, when it comes to one, the, the units or, you know, what your wager could be, a dollar difference normally makes, you know, makes up for something from a 400 to 200, you know, compared to betting somebody at, at 25 compared yeah. to where they were a hundred to one, you know, those odds, that's a big difference. But when we get in our range here, I think I'm okay with any of those long shots, you know, at 150, well into that range, let's have another week in Spain. Good luck to everybody. And thank you again. Thanks, guys.